At the time for the banquet, the master sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A blessed second Sunday of Trinity to all of you. Our Lord's sermon has so much to teach us about the nature of our master, the role of his servants, what we might even call the pastoral office, and the master's invitation to come to his feast. And of course, we learn too why some reject this invitation. This teaching of Jesus comes in the midst of a dinner party when one of the guests says to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus detects something amiss in this very popular sentiment. The man, like many of the Jews of his days, seemed to think that the kingdom of God would be a kingdom of this world, that the Messiah would reign from Jerusalem, as David had done, and bring prosperity to all. The furthest thing from their minds was that the Messiah would instead be wrapped in purple, mocked, be beaten, and then be crowned, but with thorns and enthroned upon a cross with a sign above reading, King of the Jews. The, fur the furthest thing from their minds is that the kingdom of this Messiah would be a kingdom of citizens cleansed by his blood, having their sins forgiven, being enlightened by the Holy Spirit, and gathered around an unimaginable mystery and feast partaking of the very flesh and blood of God himself, veiled under simple bread and wine, received in faith, filling sinners with the love of God and joy of God. For the most part, the Jews were not looking for this kind of kingdom. A veil was over their eyes so that they could not see that their own scriptures spoke of this kind of spiritual kingdom. Instead, they thought that the kingdom of God would be a kingdom of this world consisting of earthly glory and an abundance of earthly bread and earthly blessing. You can see then how perfectly our Lord responds to this sentiment. He tells of a man who throws a great banquet and party and of people who give the best possible excuses for not attending. The purchase of a field, that is, concern for earthly food and earthly necessities. The purchase of five yoke of oxen, which in those days would have meant great wealth, and thus also plans to maintain and expand that wealth. And last but not least, a wedding, occasion for the greatest of all earthly joys. The people sought earthly necessities, earthly wealth, earthly joys. And if it were only an earthly feast that the master was providing, who could blame them for these excuses? But of course, the entire point of Jesus' sermon, exquisitely and artfully presented, is that the master's feast is no earthly feast. It is the feast hosted by the master of the heavens and the earth, it is a kingdom, not of this world, but in it. A feast, not of earthly food, but heavenly. And an occasion of joy, 
that is greater than all earthly joy. At our vacation Bible school this past week, we had an incredible little group of kiddos. Some uh, you just saw singing. We had about 40 of them here. One of the most inspiring things, at least to me, was how they would drink in the Word of God during opening and Bible study time and closing. Our theme was, it's all about Jesus. On Monday, we talked about the incarnation and birth of Jesus, how he is true God and true man, and how he is God's answer to the sin and death that we have brought into this world. On Tuesday, we talked about the teaching and miracles of Jesus, especially how he's come to be our good shepherd. As a shepherd protects, heals, and feeds his sheep, so our Lord does for us. On Wednesday was the glorious death and resurrection of Jesus, the heart of our faith. Our sins are forgiven, and Jesus is risen. Then on Thursday, it was the ascension of Jesus, how he reigns from heaven and yet is with us by word and sacrament, even to the end of the age. And on Friday, finally, we talked about Jesus' return and how the older you get, the more you look forward to his return and how his return means that he will cast out all evil and make all things new. As I said, the most inspiring thing, at least for me, was seeing how the kiddos drank this all in. The more they learned, the more they wanted to learn. The more questions I answered, the more questions they had. And the more they got answers, the more they wanted to talk to one another about those answers. I hope those kids never grow out of that. And I hope that I don't grow out of it either. I say with great sorrow, though, that some have. Let me give one example, a little pointed, pardon me. While our adult Sunday school attendance here at Faith is off the charts in comparison to many other congregations, less than half of our people hunger and thirst for this spiritual feast that God sets before us each Sunday. And what could be more important, or maybe a better question in light of our Lord's words, what other good thing is better? St. Gregory the Great, a very important church father of the 6th century, he was the author of a textbook on pastoral care that was the standing textbook for over a thousand years. Can you imagine that? In fact, I've been told that it was the textbook that Luther and the Lutheran reformers used in their training. St. Gregory, author of this text, pointed out that hunger and thirst for God's word increase endlessly. The more one eats and drinks, the more one wants to eat and drink. One joy leads to another, and that joy to yet another, and the joys never end. He contrasts this brilliantly with earthly joys and how these all have built-in limits. For example, if you keep on eating earthly food, you will eventually become so full you'll be nauseous. If you keep on drinking earthly wine, you'll become sick and hungover. But heavenly joys have no limit. The more one eats and drinks, the more joy it brings. The people in our Lord's sermon who reject the master's invitation 
were not choosing evil things instead. Rather, they were choosing lesser things, lesser goods instead of the greater good, temporal goods instead of eternal goods. The problem isn't, strictly speaking, their desire for the field, the oxen, or the wedding. The problem is that they prioritize these lesser joys and needs over the greatest of joys and needs, even to the point that they exclude themselves from the banquet and company of the master altogether. And that is precisely the warning of our Lord's words in this sermon. Not that God excludes us, but that we exclude ourselves. In the ultimate form, one might exclude himself from the kingdom. In the lesser form, one might exclude himself from the full blessings of the kingdom. Indeed, as St. Paul writes, it, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But the words that we just heard moments ago from Proverbs, from our Old Testament lesson, show that God not only wants us to be saved, he wants us to, quote, come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. One of the saddest things on earth is the Christian who thinks he knows everything and thus reveals he doesn't know anything. On the other hand, one of the most joyous things on earth is the Christian who, like our VBS kids this past week, eats and drinks the spiritual feast, eating and drinking more and more, and thus being ever more filled with what God calls insight. God invites. The servants are sent forth. The master bestows. The only people who do not come are those who choose not to come. The only ones who do not receive are the ones who choose not to receive. The cross of Jesus that conquers sin, the resurrection of Jesus that conquers death, the Son of God who conquers the devil, these are indeed the heart and center of our faith. And yet, of course, there is much more to our faith than these. When the Master finds his gracious invitation rejected, he simply extends it to others. When the Jews rejected his invitation, he extended it to the Gentiles. And 2,000 years of history have shown that when one nation rejects the invitation of God, he simply sends his invitation to another nation. That is very likely to be the case of what we are seeing in our own day. In our Lord's Sermon, the Master sends his messenger to the streets and lanes, to the poor and crippled, to the blind and lame. And after this, when his house is still not filled, he sends his servant to the highways and hedges. In this, we have a picture of how God has befriended us. Though we are indeed poor and miserable sinners, spiritually blind and lame, and by nature we are strangers to him, Yet he nonetheless invites us to his feast and welcomes us as he would dear friends and family. 
indeed in the most specific sense, what is the feast that God sets before us other than the Lord's Supper, the bread of unity, the cup of salvation, his own body and blood given and shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. This, my friend, is indeed the greatest of all goods. And so that hopefully leaves us with just one essential question remaining. How should we perceive and use the lesser blessings, the earthly goods and blessings? St. Gregory offered these words to his people, and I offer them to you. Possess your earthly possessions in such a way that they do not possess you. Make use of the goods of this world and desire the eternal goods. Temporal goods help us on the journey of this life, but eternal goods alone are deserving of our constant desire. Whatever happens in this world should be looked upon with indifference while the eyes of the soul are continually directed toward eternal joy. You see, beloved brethren, that you are not asked to forsake all things, but to make use of all earthly goods in such a way that you base all your hopes and desires upon eternal goods. Follow this advice of St. Paul. The time is short. It remains that those who weep be as those who wept not, and they that rejoice as they who rejoiced not, they that buy as though they possessed not, and they that use this world as if they used it not, for the things of this world are passing away. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.